0: Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. This is TJ Murphy and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guest today is Stan Gibson, a visionary who has gracefully transitioned from nearly four decades of corporate leadership into a role that truly resonates with his soul. Having stepped away from the corporate arena three years ago, Stan has since dedicated his life to guiding leaders on their journey of self-discovery and growth. Stan's personal life is as enriching as his professional one. He has been blissfully married to his wonderful wife for over 40 years, a love story that began as early as third grade. His journey has taken him through the ranks of senior executive positions at two Fortune 500 companies and on the path of entrepreneurship. Stan's approach is highly customized and strategic, ensuring that individuals and organizations achieve the results they desire. He's not just a coach. He's also an accomplished author with his book, Living a Rich and Intentional Life, providing invaluable insights into living an intentional and fulfilling life. Beyond leadership and organizational dynamics, Stan is an avid researcher in neuro and psychological science. He brings a wealth of knowledge on how leaders can create abundant energy through sleep, nutrition, exercise, mindfulness, productivity, routines, and healthy relationships. Just a few of the golden takeaways Stan shares in this episode our lessons learned on the Gridiron that will help you succeed in all areas of life. How to find balance, build trust, and lead with intention, the power of people-centric leadership, and how to live an amazing life built around your priorities. So without further ado, this is me and Stan Gibson. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, Life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life. Adventures await us, so let's dive in. Hey, hey Stan! Welcome to Adventurous Entrepreneurs.
1: Uh, thanks, TJ. I'm I'm excited.
0: Me too. Me too. I enjoyed our our little preemptive conversation before this, so I know we're going to get into a lot of good stuff here. And I'd love to start with a bit of background on the journey because you have a very unique story transitioning from a corporate executive to an author and a success coach. That's a big shift. So what's one thing that you've learned about yourself in this journey that completely surprised you?
1: Oh boy, TJ, I, I mean, if you're going to limit me to one thing, I, I, you know, you're really putting the pressure on I'll tell you um, tell me as many as you want. <laughs> I, uh, no, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I've uh, been doing what I'm doing now for about three or four years and, um, when I say doing what I'm doing, my new company, I just changed the name of it from Oxygen Plus to speaks.com And the reason I did that is because, you know, speakers speak. I was told that probably a few months ago, and it just made sense that, you know, as I roll out, I'm a keynote speaker. I'm an executive coach. I'm a consultant for companies. and And when I say I started doing this two to three years ago... I actually started doing this around 10 to 15 years ago. And I always tell my clients, have a plan B. You never know when you're going to need it. And I can go into a story eventually if you want to. But basically, it became very apparent to me 10 to 15 years ago. This was my calling. Even though I worked in a corporate environment, um, I worked for a Fortune 150. I was an executive there. and, and, And it just became apparent to me, now's the time. Now's the time to go ahead. I I actually started coaching individuals before and after work. I started doing keynote inspirational speeches across the country. I started getting asked to do more and more and more. And so I had already had kind of this, this uh, plan B in place. I, had a, I wrote a book called Living a Rich and Intentional Life. And all of a sudden, two to three years ago, as life was changing and for the company I was with, they were basically downsizing about a third. And they looked at me and said, are you ready? And I said, you know, you're never ready, but why not? And so I already had plan B, you know, it was February 25th of 2021 and at eight o'clock the next morning on February 26th, I was rocking and rolling. I was ready to go. And so, you know, I didn't even take a pause. So if there's any lesson you're looking for, I guess I always tell my clients, just have a plan B, just have it on the shelf, just be doing something that fits what energizes you. You never know when you're going to need it. And, and, you know, life will deal you surprises at times and just be ready. So that's a little bit of my long winded to a very short question you asked me, TJ.
0: No, there's, there's such brilliance in that because so many people ask me, and I even had this conversation on the podcast before about like, when is the right time to to start my business or to, to take this leap into entrepreneurship? And, you know, it's, it's so, good to have that plan B in place and to be working on your passion project while you have the stability of, you know, an income, a a W-2 job, whatever, whatever you're paying the bills with, you know, sometimes when the the ships get burned and you got to dive all in, you know, you got to go for it if you don't already have something in place. But if you can work on it and have it ready to go, and then when the time comes and you've got the stability to jump all in that's going to give you so much more momentum and so much more peace of mind less anxiety when you're you're diving into the world of having your own business so
1: absolutely absolutely well said well it. said
0: well we talked about your football experience and you had a very unique experience back in your football days going from a struggling football team to national champions. And I'm curious, how did that transformation parallel parallel the journey that you've seen in the corporate world or in your own personal development or in your story?
1: What a unique experience I had because I was recruited out of high school as a tight end, and, and, and I was looking at different universities. And there was a university by the, by the name of Eastern Illinois University. And I was really excited because, you know, when I was recruited there, I could see the talent was there. They just had a guy that just got uh, drafted in like the third round for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I could just see this talent that was, you know, it's like, Hey, what a great place to go to and develop my talent. So I get there and I get into my freshman year and, you know, lo and behold, they lose their first game. Then all of a sudden they're second and they're, th- they lose every game TJ up until the last game of the year, they go one in 10 and you don't keep your job when you go one in 10. And so we got a new coaching change and a guy by the name of Daryl Mudra and, and his nickname was Dr. Victory comes in and I can still remember we all get into the, like, the weight room, which could hold us and and, and he kind of comes walking in and he looked like this absent-minded professor and you know, disheveled a little bit and he tells us right off the bat, I know very little about football. In fact, he said the most success I've ever had was I coached my grandson. In Pop Warner, we won the city championship. And all of us are sitting here saying, Dude, we just went one <laughs> one and ten. And you know nothing about football. And in fact, he coached the games from the from the press box because he said he could see better from up there, but he didn't coach on game day. But I'll just get to the punchline. We went from that one and ten that very next year, that very year he came in, we won the national championship. And what he did with just three or four principles have stuck with me to this very day as it relates to the business world. And what he did was he came in and he was authentic. He told us who he was and who he wasn't, but yet he surrounded us with the right coaches. In fact, one of the, one of the assistant, the offensive coordinator had just played at Eastern Illinois a few years ago by the name of Mike Shanahan. Well, you know, Mike's won what? Three, Super Bowl rings, or he's got three Super Bowl rings. His son, who wasn't even born at the time, is the head football coach of the San Francisco 49ers. He hired nine to 10 other coaches with the same amount of talent. He had that eye for just bringing in people that could motivate us and give us systems and give us structure. That was number one. Number two, he told us very upfront, he said, you know what? Well, I'm going to surround you with the best coaches. You, each and every one of you. Are the real coaches because you see you're out there on the field. You know if you're getting beat or if you're beating the guy across from you, and only then can we make game decisions. And you think about companies today, DJ. How many executives or leadership teams actually pull information from those out in the field? Very few. <laughs> Very few. And it was so brilliant. And and this was like you know. Several decades ago, and this guy's got us out there thinking while we're on the field. You know, how do we pull this information? How do they go ahead and audible? You know, maybe they need to start running up the three hold, whatever. Blah blah blah. But anyway, he made us all coaches, and and then he did something else that was kind of unique. You know, the year that we were one in ten, just the year before, our uniforms made Penn State look sexy. I mean, we had white pants, we had these black shoes, we had these blue helmets that had just an E on the side of it and these big thick blue jerseys with a number on it. I mean, you talk about, I mean, you know, everybody, especially the brothers. I mean, we were all looking at each other, like this ain't going to work. And he said, what yes. can I do to help morale? Yeah. And you know, you yeah, a have couple a guys,
0: when we're out on the field
1: <laughs> and you got to remember the era I grew up in. People said, could we get white shoes? And it was like, you know, I, I can't believe I just said that. Well, I'll tell you what, within two weeks, Boxes showed up. We had silver pants with a blue stripe down. We had mesh jerseys with with Panthers, you know, because that was their their, their nickname, Panthers, across it. And, and, you know, those guys that had six-pack abs could, you know, have midriffs that showed their six-pack abs. We had silver. We looked like the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, we looked awesome. And lo and behold, we had white shoes. Guys could run faster. They could jump higher. Everything. Anyway, the whole thing was just a culture shift. It was a culture shift of transferring the leadership to the players. And that's a lot what I talk about when I go in and work with companies today. We talk about how do we become a people-centric culture? How do we teach the leaders to become people-centric? I have a saying, TJ, that when leaders learn to, to coach, employees learn to lead. And it's directly from that experience So the better we get at coaching versus just espousing all this knowledge we have, but when we bring others up, everything elevates. So that was a little bit of my story, and and, and I'll finish it with this. I did not play my junior and senior year. I figured out that I wasn't going to be playing on Sundays, let alone much playing time on Saturdays, and I became an assistant head coach at a uh, high school. Uh, that had the same reputation. I don't think they'd won a game in two or three years. And in fact, I showed up as defensive coordinator the very first week and we played a team that was one of the top 10 in the uh, state and we lost 89 to six. And I don't know if I was more surprised that they scored 89 or the fact that we actually scored six. Both were a surprise to me. But we utilized a lot of the same concepts. I mean, from uniforms to empowering each, each individual. And the good thing in high school is sometimes juniors become seniors and they had a year to develop. And we faced that same team basically a year ahead. And yeah, we lost. We lost six to nothing. But you can see the transformation when you start to shift more of that leadership into the players, into the employees, into the organization. And it's just magic. It's just magic, TJ. So anyway, it's a little bit, and, and I will say this too about Eastern Illinois. If you haven't heard of them, you've probably heard of a few. Tony Romo came just a few years later, Sean Payton quarterback there a few years later i can keep going down the list uh, brad childress uh, head coach for the minnesota vikings uh, at one time um you know we can keep going down there is just a, an a incubator
0: of talent it, it, it
1: became it became football you all because of that legacy that coach mudra created so that's a little bit of my football story and again i use a lot of those concepts today and they're still mag- just as much magic today as they were then
0: oh, what an incredible story and like you know, what you described, the magic is in the people. And you've been married for over 40 years,
1: am I correct? We're coming up on 42, my friend.
0: Oh, man. So that's an achievement in itself. And from, you know, my perspective, I've I've been with my wife for, well, we're high school sweethearts. So since high school, I'm now 30 years old. We've been married now for five years. So I always like to to pick people's brains when they've been married for as long as you have. So how is your relationship with your wife? influenced your approach to leadership and coaching specifically what you do
1: you know teach Jeff really never had anybody ask me that question that's a great question because kind of like you um we met in third grade wow. so you know i always say she was chasing me around in the playground she cornered me said we're gonna get married but not it wasn't like that we uh we kind of you know it wasn't a thing until we really started dating around the end of my senior year but um i will tell you um You know, there were two things that I really, even as young as I was at the time, that I wanted. I always thought I wanted a spouse that, A, I could just trust, because trust is a big thing for me. It's a big thing for me personally, professionally. Um, You know, your brand, trust, is very, very important. And I wanted, you know, to marry somebody that I thought would be a good mother to our children. And I couldn't have scored any higher on the charts with my wife. And, you know, we're like anybody else. And you say you've been married, would you say nine
0: Five, five years married, oh, five years together for, and, and together over for 15 night. years.
1: Yeah. We all go through seasons of life. And, you know, the first five to 10 years is going to be a season where you're still getting to know each other. And, you know, then there's another season where you start to have kids and all of a sudden things start to get a lot more stressful because your time gets divided. And there are seasons of life that you go through. And my wife and I couldn't love the season of life we're in right now anymore we actually our daughter just had uh, grand uh, t- twins actually grandsons just turned two years old and so the only thing i'm telling you is don't get discouraged with any season of life because it's just the segue to a better season of life right around the corner and every bit we just love each other more and more my wife and and, and things do kind of come full circle she was uh, I talk a lot to people about taking care of themselves and doubling down and being very selfish. And the reason I say selfish, TJ, is because I tell a lot of people that I, that I work with, clients, teams, be very selfish so that you can, or be a little bit selfish so that you can be very selfless. And what I mean by that is taking care of you. And the reason that I bring that up when you talk about my wife is because five years ago she was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and as we got the diagnosis, obviously all the emotions you're 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 crying. You don't know what to expect, and you know everything starts to crumble again. Not only did have we been married forty years, I mean we've known each other a good ten to twelve years before that, and so one thing I realized, and it had to come to fruition, is I need to take care of me because if I don't take care of me. First thing in the morning, I mean, I started getting up earlier, five o'clock, my, you know, working out, praying, meditating. I want to be the best version of me because the day ahead is about taking care of the important people in your life. And it became about, you know, her survival, which, you know, she is stable at this point. This is five years later. We've been in and out of treatments and things like that. But when I say every season of life brings on something different. While we wish he didn't have the diagnosis, we also know that it just makes life that much more special. I had a friend one time, TJ. This was about 10 or 12 years ago, and it's actually what drove me into coaching. He had cancer, and he said he had a 50-50 chance of living. And when he said that, I didn't know what to say. And he looked at me, TJ, and he said, look, when death becomes certain, life becomes rich. When death becomes certain, life becomes rich. And I said right there, why do we wait to get sick? Why do we wait for a certain point in life before we get that sentence? Before we decide to have a rich and intentional life. So while things have changed a little bit for my wife and I, we're still living a rich and intentional life. And I wish I would have had someone like me be able to coach me when I was in my 30s and my 40s. I would have done things differently. But every season of life, you learn, and your love actually gets greater. So I'm very excited for you, TJ, and, and your wife. You're going to find these things out someday, and, and 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 what I'm saying now is even going to resonate more down down the road.
0: Well, it resonates with me now. I mean, enjoying and making the most of the season that you're in, no matter what life throws at you, and taking care of yourself first is is crucial. You got to be able to show up in those moments for the people that count on you, and to be able to have that energy and that health and everything that you need within that's so crucial to it so i appreciate you sharing that and you mentioned you you mentioned trust as as a big piece that you were looking for in your relationship with with your wife can you share a specific instance where where trust and authenticity played like a crucial role in turning a challenging situation around either in in sports or in in business both in the corporate world or with the clients that you work with
1: no i'd love to I'd love to. And and in fact, I will tell you, I think trust is going to be one of the most valuable commodities going forward with artificial intelligence, with everything that we have today. We don't know what to believe. We don't know what, you know, we hear something, we see something, everything's, you know, trust is going to be just one of those commodities that if you can come across very authentic, it's going to be a very securely gold standard type traded commodity that you can deliver as an individual going forward. One of the things, you know, and, and it so happened with my wife, but I do it with the companies that I work with and the clients that I work with. The first thing we do is we get a pretty huge dose of self-awareness. And what I mean by that is, you know, trust is probably one of the things that is, is missing the most in most organizations today. It just is. You talk, you you can look at all the statistics and all the everything. Trust is something that that, that employees and people are looking for. So one of the things that we do is I firmly believe, TJ, that, you know, when you go through some assessments, and what I do is I take people through something called the genius uh, spark, and that's a derivative of strength finders, but we kind of turn it upside down, and we really find out who people are at their best. I mean, we create a paragraph of who TJ is. I mean, you know, just... We, it's it's almost unfair because when you see that that paragraph, it's like you're the Michael Phelps of that swim lane. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could win any contest by you know five one thousandths of a second because you're that good. And when we start to find out who you are at your best, and we realize that those very strengths that make you so great when you're under stress can also become kryptonite, then we start to have an awareness. And the reason this is important is because when we do this, number one, individuals start to find out when they're at their best and what their kryptonite is. But when you're in a team setting, you also get to say, you know what, now we're, now we're getting real. We're starting to find out who TJ and Stan really are. We're finding out who they are at their best. We're finding out their kryptonite. We're finding out nothing is malicious. It's just basically how we're wired. And so the reason you kind of asked me this about my wife is because we were married and again, happily married for, you know, coming up on 42 years, but it wasn't until two years ago that I had her take this assessment. Mm -hmm. And I found out that, you know, her number one, she's the, they call her St. Sharon because she is everybody's favorite person, everybody. And, And, and so to me, when I found out that one of her signature strengths was kind of a developer, it means that she just, she just wakes up loving to help people. Now in a marriage relationships, when they want to help you, it doesn't come across as helping. It comes across with another word. And we're nagging. We can use a lot of different words, (laughs) but I used for years. It was like, I don't want to be helped. And, and, and so the thing that was making her so wonderful to so many people From a marriage perspective, I had to change my narrative and I had to say, oh, this is she's helping me. This is who she is at her best. This is her her signature and her core strength. Stan, accept it. Because the worst thing you can do to somebody who's a developer is resist their narrative or their help to you. So. Things like that all of a sudden helped us to start to trust. One of my signature strengths is an activator. I love to get things going. It served me well in the corporate world. You know, grass didn't grow underneath me. I mean, I kept things moving. But on the other hand, that very strength can become kryptonite because I had people wanting to analyze all the various alternatives. And I was already at the end. I'm saying, hey, we're already finished. And so with my wife, it was the same thing. As an activator, I'd like to be on the move. I like to go out. Sometimes she says, Stan, can we slow the activator down? Can we sit in tonight? So having that understanding, whether it be in a professional setting or in a personal setting with your your significant other, with your loved one, with your spouse, there's something beautiful about that that I wish I would have known 20, 30, 40 years ago, TJ. But at least knowing it now is pretty special.
0: Oh, this is lighting a, a fire under me. I mean, my wife and I have done some of these types of exercises in the past, whether it's like love languages or yeah. Myers Briggs or anything like that. But it's a good thing to come back to. And this particular lens, I'm I'm very intrigued by. So, going to have to get some more info from you and and try that out.
1: I would love to take you and your wife through this. It's 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 magic, and it's uh, it's something that is just. Um, again, and who doesn't want to see a paragraph of who they are at their best? I mean, uh, you know a friend of mine by the name of Rex Miller, uh, he's worked with many industrial psychologists, and I've kind of helped him. in fact, he just had a book come out uh, this month and fortunate to have, I'm fortunate to be, you know, one of the people that promoted the book, uh, you know, went in, inside the cover. But this is a tremendous program that, again, I've used with, in fact, I'll just give you an example. I used it with a CEO and a COO, and they are really tight, but they have a lot of anxiety and a lot of tension between them. And when we went through the exercise from a joint perspective, joint coaching, come to find out, um, they just needed to change their narrative because while the CEO is very critical and very numbers-oriented. And, you know, he's always going to look at the what-if or the risk side of the, the equation. The COO was more, you know, live and let live. Let's just do, you know, let's let's try. The more we do, you know, let's fail forward quickly. And so there was this this, this tension between the two. And once we were able to understand it through this process, I was able to help the COO realize Thank goodness the CEO is risk adverse, because if they just did everything that they wanted to do, they would be hurting their margins. They might even be bankrupt. And so, just getting people to change their narratives is very important from a team perspective. And that's just one example, I think, of uh, of where this stuff has great value. And I'd love to take you and your wife through it. I think you'd find the same thing at some point.
0: I appreciate that, and we'll definitely want to take you up on that offer. So, we've talked a little bit about people centric leadership, and you know you coach people through this process what are some tangible steps that that leaders can take to shift to make that paradigm shift toward a more people-centric approach and and what impact have you seen it have with the, the clients that you've worked with
1: yeah that's another good question TJ you know a lot of people when when I start working with them uh, you know they want to get right into coaching you know help me be a better leader. <laughs> And we often find out, because I've done all the neuros- I've done all the research on neuroscience and on you know health, well-being, anything you want to call it, on how to help leaders have more energy. And the reason I bring that up is because that typically becomes the foundation of starting to work with clients before we even get into how we're going to tweak mission statements, vision statements, how we're going to tweak you know systems within the company. we start with the people. And I can tell you, I've got a number of clients that you know they want to get right into it, and all of a sudden we've had to say you know i'm not healthy and i have a pretty strong belief that if you're not doing well at work you're probably transferring a lot of that to home and if you're not doing well at home you're transferring that to work so we got to get we've got to get you on 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 a healthy slate and a lot of that comes with you know the science around sleep it comes with the science around you know movement or exercise around nutrition it comes from you know hydrating and and i'm a big believer in morning routines and in evening routines. You know, tomorrow starts tonight. And, and, you know, we have to do certain things. I mean, some of the morning routines that I even just basic that I start a lot of clients on is a a 10-3-2-1, you know, no caffeine 10 hours before going to bed. It stays and regulates in our system. You know, we have got to be ready to go to bed at whatever time you want to. And caffeine is just one of those things that I can't live without in the morning. But there comes a point in time where it has to stop three hours before bed. In fact, I was just talking to a guy this morning. We talked about, you know, drinking, you know, having a big heavy meal and having some wine. That wine, you know, I've had to actually taper that down and actually quit altogether because as much as I love it, the sugars actually stay in your system three hours before you go to bed, actually five to six hours. And so you might think you fell asleep or you're calming your nerves. You're actually having a very restless sleep. And and, in two hours before, you know, we start to get, you know, the LED lights, you know, Pave men back, you know, when nighttime came, automatically their their brain shut down. It was time to sleep. We don't have that ability today. We're still watching TV. We're on our phones. We've got lights on. So starting to dim, you know, kind of the world around us, you know, a couple hours before and even an hour before, starting to read, starting to really shut down the technology fully. But that's a 10-3-2-1. There are many different things that I talk to people about when it comes to morning routines. It goes much more extensive than that. And then evening routines. Evening routines are very important. So there's a neuroscience around clients that I use to get healthy up front and and, and even their exercise. You know, when do they exercise? Morning is always best. And I have a bias towards that because there's a neurological factor. Basically, it releases uh, serotonin and it releases dopamine and it releases um, uh, you know cortisol, which is fear, is the highest in the morning. That it'll be all day for us. So exercise actually reduces cortisol, and 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 so we can start the day off probably at our best. So there's a lot of things that I work on with clients from a physical perspective before we get into the emotional aspects, and the emotional aspects. Then I think to answer your question. You know, once we go through a lot of the self-awareness, um, I have a lot of executives that come back and say, you know, I think I'm probably in an imposter syndrome. I, I You know, I just don't, I need to lead better. Mm-hmm. And then we get into a lot of the science around, I, I love imposter syndrome, by the way. If you don't have imposter syndrome, it means you're not trying hard enough. Because you, if you've re- reached the pinnacle, of being secure, then you know you're you're not pushing yourself. So I I try to get people to not be you know, uncomfortable with 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 feeling imposter. It just it's a it's a drive that makes us better. So I work with clients and you know on the foundation of of being healthier, but then we get to the point of working on the uh, or working on the company and working on their leadership skills.
0: I'm glad you bring up the well-being side, especially sleep. This has been a big focus of mine over the last. Oh, I'd say pretty much the last year listening to, you know, the likes of Andrew Huberman and and Dr. Matthew Walker, two people that are absolutely for any sort of expertise. These are two people to go read up on. But you mentioned like, you know, drinking even one glass of wine, two hours, three hours before bed. I use a Garmin to track my sleep. And it's, I mean, it's big, the amount that it affects your sleep. Even just a little bit and caffeine, same thing. I used to drink coffee all day, but now it's a cup in the morning and absolutely nothing past noon because it does have just such a detrimental impact on my sleep, which then leads into the next day. And it takes more than just one good night's sleep to make up for one bad night's sleep. So that impact isn't worth even, you know, maybe on occasion, but. And during the work week especially, it's it's not worth it. So I'm glad that you bring that to to people's attention because it is critical to show up as a leader when you're Yeah.
1: Um, and you know, you mentioned uh you know, you use the Garmin. I I actually probably would probably both have the same one, but I've also used uh for those of you out there that are listening that you 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 like wearables and you want to really monitor things, the Garmin is very good. Whoop, W H O O P. Most NBA athletes wear the whoop. I've tried that and it's a very good device. Um, you know, there's the Aura ring. Um, there's a lot of different, even, even, i uh, tell you what, uh, Apple uh, watch has come a long way yeah, in monitoring uh, sleep, sleep patterns. And you want to make sure that you're getting the right four stages of sleep each night. And, uh, sleep is absolutely, it's, it's the foundation of when I talk about nutrition and I talk about exercise and I also talk about hydration because hydration, your body's made up of over 80% fluids and especially your brain. And when you're not getting enough fluids, your brain starts to shut down. And so, you know, there are certain aspects. Just think about showing up with energy in the morning and having that same energy throughout the day. And and, 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 and a lot of it starts with sleep, as you said. So, you know, blackout curtains, I can give you 10. In fact, if you like, um, I have what I call a double down sheet. And it's got all the neuro and physiological aspects of sleep, nutrition, of, of all the things that I'm talking about. And it's got all of the tricks of the trade that I call them as far as getting them. I've got a double down sheet. And if you just if you go to my website, which is Stan dot com um, and you go to resources, it's right there. So please, by all means, go ahead and take it, um, you know, put it up on uh, you know your refrigerator, whatever you want but it's got all the sciences just condensed into basically two pages uh, on a a PDF that I think you'll enjoy. And it's just a good reminder.
0: Amazing. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check it out. And everyone listening, if you're looking to optimize your life, sleep is by far the biggest impact you're going to get the most bang for your buck. And it's little things that you can shift in your day-to-day lifestyle that are going to have a huge impact and allow you to just have more energy, which will lead to more happiness. It'll lead to more productivity which ultimately lead to more growth. So Stan, a big theme of this podcast is you know, really living an intentional life. And, and how do you blend, especially business, with doing the things that you love most with the people that are most important to you? So I always like to ask what that looks like for everyone that I have on my podcast. And I'm curious, what does living that intentional life look like for you in this season that you're in, in terms of your schedule and, and how you – prioritize time and, and really optimize for the things that, that you love to do?
1: Well, you hit it right on the head when you said the season of life that I'm in, because, you know, I couldn't probably do today what I was doing in my twenties and my thirties, et cetera. So each season of life, and I do work with a lot of Gen Z's, um, because I feel like, you know, I can probably, you know, in a look back mirror, I can help them, you know, get through that, that season of life just as much as my season today. But I do think you have to look for what your ideal week looks like. Because, you know, when I had, uh, you know, we only had one daughter. But, you know, I still traveled a lot. I think the the biggest badge of honor that I wear, <clears throat> TJ, is that I don't think I really ever missed an event. I coached her on the soccer field, coached her on the basketball court, made every track meet. You know, I made as much as I could. And I think I was probably about 98%. And, and to me, that's one of the, you know, with all the travel and everything else, that was pretty miraculous. And that's probably one of the things that I – hold most dear to my heart. But again, that was a season of life where I had to make a lot of sacrifices and I had to look at what's important. In fact, I tell a lot of clients when we work through, I say, tell me what's what's important in your life. And they will, in fact, I want five or six things. Give them, give them to me specifically. And they'll give them to me. And then I'll say, okay, let's take those five or six things. Where are you putting the most time? And then I say, let's even take the word time out. Let's just say energy. Because I will tell you, the people say, oh, family's number one. And work will be number three or four. Well, where do you think work is? Right. Work's getting 80% of their energy. And I realize that we're talking about certain seasons of life. But I will tell you, TJ, I'll tell you mine. Mine is my faith is first and foremost. And it's non-negotiable. And when people say that, I've been married for close to 42 years. I said, well, your wife's number two. I said, no, it's not. I said, I'm number two. Because again, go back to the co- concept. If I don't take care of me, I can't take care of her who's number three. My daughter, son-in-law, and my grandsons are right, right after that. My work is after that. And my friends and everything else follow down. But then I have to reshift my energy. I can't put 40, 50, 60 hours into my faith or into my wife or into those things. But energy. Can I not send my wife a text during the day saying I love you? Can I not do certain things that that are energy related that say, you know what? I can show my wife just how special she is, even though she's number three on the list. And even myself at number two, it's just that hour, hour and a half in the morning of working out, of 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 you know my faith-based reading and, and, and taking care of me for an hour to hour and a half. That right there fuels me for the other 22 hours out of the day. So, so when we talk about this, you've got to be very clear on your priorities in life. Of, of, there are times when I've, I've been asked to do something from a business perspective. But when business falls below family, I've got to stop and think, am I really honoring my wife or my daughter or whatever by going to that event? or doing something. And so I've got to prioritize things to keep a balance. And my family knows me being, you know, in my past as an executive, now in the business I have, there are certain things that I have to do from a from a, from a professional perspective. But I can't do it at their peril either. I've got to somehow show them the energy that they deserve.
0: Hmm. I love the distinction between Time and energy, and it is the little things sometimes where you can go out of your way and and send that text or you know call up a friend where maybe you can't give them all the time because you do have other priorities, but you can still give that energy and make sure that you have your priorities in line. So, thank you for sharing that, Stan. And as someone who's constantly evolving, what's what's next for you? Any upcoming projects or, or personal goals you're particularly excited about?
1: Yeah, you know, in fact, I did a post the other day on LinkedIn, and I told people, I said, you know, I'm not big into uh, New Year's resolutions. But I said, you know, I want all of you to start to close your eyes. And I want you to start to think of you directing a movie. And you're the star in this movie. And you get to not only direct it, write it, but you're the lead actor, actress. And I want you to just, you know, kind of visualize this. And as I went through this, I, I said, I'm hoping that one word pops out at you. And it's that one word that's going to drive the script of the movie. And I started getting a lot of responses. And 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 for me, that word is fearless. And it's what does fearless mean to me? Well, you know, I want to start getting out of my comfort zone a little bit too for this year. I've got a, uh, you know, just met with my marketing team this morning. We're going to have a, uh, we're going to start doing some group coaching or mastermind coaching starting in about two to three months I'm um, starting to look at some subscription coaching. And, and obviously, I'm on a lot of podcasts. And, you know, how do I, uh, you know, I just changed the name of my company to StanGibsonSpeaks.com because I love doing, I come alive on stage. Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy how I transform, but, um, you know, doing a lot more keynote speaking, doing a lot more virtual speaking, you know, to groups over the phone. Speaking is a big thing for me because when I speak, we can have the conversation you and I are having right now, TJ. And to me, it's all about transformation and growth. That's what gets me up in the morning—not mine, yours. And so when I'm doing that, and when I'm speaking, again, speakers speak. When I'm speaking, I know that you know we're transforming and we're seeing changes in people. And that's, again, that's that's what, that's what gets me up in the morning. So being fearless about that, taking chances that I would not have taken probably two to three years ago, not caring about what the, uh, what uh, you know what people are thinking, having very little. Uh, a concern about, um, how it crosses other people because, you know, I'm going to be, uh, probably 20 or 30% of the people that run across me are going to say, Hey, I like that guy. I cannot be so focused on the other 60 or 70%, but that's a little bit of me. So fearless is that word for me this year. And I would challenge all of your listeners to think, to take that same exercise. What's that word look like for you?
0: Hmm. Fearless. I love the, the conviction and energy behind it. And you know, from our conversation, I'd love to see you up on stage and see that that other side, that energy that comes out. I'm sure it's, uh, it's electric. So as we wrap up here, Stan, I have a choose your own adventure question for you. So you can pick which one you'd like to answer or, or both if you so desire. But the first one is what's a, a recent place you visited say in the past five years or number two, just a recent adventure you went on. In either case it could be your trip with friends, family, solo, business, something that stands out to you, but in either case, what was it like? What made it so memorable? Maybe a lesson you learned, a favorite meal or drink. Give us a little story.
1: Oh boy. Um, you know, probably the, having friends that are true friends. I mean, people that when you're with them, your cheeks hurt because you're laughing so hard. It's like, you know, you've got belly rolls coming out and, and we've got those friends and, and and we've got two sets of friends and we went to Europe with them when we did Italy. and it. Yeah, the Italy experience was like epic. I mean, it was epic on epic. But the meals, the just sitting down with friends, the laughter. I mean, fortunately, we videoed a lot of it just on our phones because we still pull (laughs) them out. And it just, it just, it lights up the dopamine, the serotonin, all the things start kicking off. And it was such a special trip. And, you know, I always say, you know, spend money on experiences, not stuff. And, you know, that has been kind of my wife and I's mantra is how do we spend more money on experiences, not stuff. And that's one that just comes to my mind. And my wife and I are planning a few, you know, next year, you know, health provided and, uh, you know, doing the, uh, uh, you know, Camino this, uh, yeah, over in France, you know, yeah, doing, doing awesome. the walk. That is just, you know, if you don't know what that is for your listeners, it's a 500 mile walk that you know, you can also do it in segments, but you know, you're either running from something or towards something. They say, and it's just such a, a religious experience of taking this walk and, you know, this Camino that Saint Francis took, you know, over two thousand years ago. So, you know, that's one that I've got coming up, and and possibly I'm, I'm I've got a friend who puts together golf packages over in uh, the British Isle, and so I'm always about doing some fun stuff because that's what life's all about, my friend.
0: Oh, life is meant for exploring. That's my wife and I's mantra, and we definitely prescribe to experiences over stuff and how can we optimize for maximizing the experiences, especially Good with for you. and my and my parents and, and her parents as much as we can while they're still around. So love hearing it. Where can people connect with you, Stan? Uh what's the best way to to get in touch with you, to follow your stuff, social media, all that kind of stuff?
1: So hey, go on to Stangibsonspeaks.com. That's the first place. And I would love because I do have a newsletter that comes out once every Thursday. And I don't know much about marketing, but I know that my marketing people tell me it's got a 50% open rate, which they say is like un- <laughs> uncanny. So so whatever I'm doing, I, I guess it, it it's doing it right. But Fascinating. Uh, love to have you uh, you know, go to my website, uh, standgibsonspeaks.com. and you know, just you can subscribe and then eventually unsubscribe if it's not your jam. But I tell you what, that's the best place. And then of course I'm on LinkedIn, and those are really kind of my main uh, uh, social media outlets right now. I'm probably gonna expand that in the future. But right now, um that's that's where I'm comfortable, and I love creating content and doing motivational speaking and and again, helping people transform and go through growth.
0: Well, we will put links to everything in the show notes for everyone listening, so it's easy for them to connect with you. And Stan, I really appreciate your time. It's been a great conversation. Uh, I've got a lot of energy right now, and I just love the the way you talk and and the people focus, especially, you know it's all about people in this world. So, keep on leading and and helping to foster this change that we're going to need in this next generation.
1: Thank you, TJ. God bless you. I appreciate it. To all of
0: our adventurous listeners. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download and share this on social media or with someone, you know, will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one. If you have the time, we'll see you all next week. And remember, Whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.